everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do. He said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and as he had the money box, he used to take what was put into it. Jesus said, let her alone, let her keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came. Not only on account of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus also to death, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day a great crowd, who had come to the feast, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. 
And Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand this at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that this had been written of him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord. Peace be to you who reads the good tidings and do all the people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For those of you who were here for the reading of the Orthros Gospel on the same feast, you would have heard that the children were crying out as much as the adults, and that they couldn't keep them quiet. They were singing, Hosanna to David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees and the scribes and religious leaders turn to Jesus and he says, Do you hear what they're saying? In other words, keep them quiet. Just like we are trying to keep our kids quiet during the gospel. We should, we should try to keep our kids quiet during the gospel. But... Jesus did say that out of the mouths of babes shall come perfect praise. So that's just what they're trying to do. But uh, it's, a, it's a balance of trying to uh, hear the gospel and also uh, hear our children and attend to them. So my dear brothers and sisters, we have come a long way since 40 days ago. We have been on a spiritual journey. In fact, the 40-day journey is like a microcosm of the overall journey that we are on in our life. One that starts at our birth and hopefully leads us into the kingdom of heaven and union with Christ and salvation. The 40-day journey began for most of us right here in this same church, in this same room, where we literally bowed down before one another and we asked for forgiveness. We asked for forgiveness even if we weren't aware of something that we did to the person that we were bowing in front of and looking them in the eyes and asking them to forgive us. Because we know that every time that we fall short of the glory of God, every time that we miss the mark, that sin has a ripple effect 
that spans the entire cosmos, the entire universe. And it has an effect on everybody, whether they realize it or not, and whether we realize it or not. And so, how appropriate it is to begin this important spiritual journey by asking for forgiveness and seeking reconciliation from one another. We are a spiritual family, brothers and sisters in Christ. That is extremely meaningful if we do not take it for granted. I want you to think about your blood family members and how tight that relationship should be. How there are all kinds of things that happen in families. But because you are brother, sister, mother, father, those bonds are so tight that these offenses do not sever that bond. Well, we are truly brothers and sisters in Christ because of the fact that we are part of the body of Christ. We individually are members of Christ in a spiritual way. We manifest that oneness by partaking of the one bread. We were birthed spiritually in our baptism, um, united to Christ. We were sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we share a bond in Christ that in many ways might be stronger than the bond that we share in our own blood family with our relatives. I want you to think for a moment of what it took you to get to this place in your spiritual journey and what that means for you. I want you to literally look around right now, not at me, but at the people that are in front of you behind you, next to you. And I want you to think for a moment that these are your brothers and sisters. These are your fellow strugglers. These are your companions on this journey. Not just this 40-day journey, but on this journey of life towards the kingdom of heaven. The Apostle Paul compares Christians to spiritual soldiers. Anyone who has been trained as a soldier, especially if they have tasted combat, they know that the ideals of country and family, as important as they are, are not what soldiers end up fighting for. They never forget those things, but they end up fighting for the person next to them on either side, the person in front of them, and the person behind them. And as a matter of fact, it's their brothers in combat that gets them to have the courage to not think of themselves and actually to survive. And they know that they are totally dependent on the people around them for their own survival. And it's no less true in the spiritual warfare which we are engaged in. As unseen as that spiritual warfare may be, it is nevertheless just as real as bombs and bullets 
and other weapons of war. And whether we realize it or not, we are just as dependent on one another for our spiritual survival and for us to successfully navigate this journey. Why do I talk about this on this day? Because the disciples have also been on a journey with their Master Christ, a three-year journey that could be symbolized by our 40-day journey. And they too have arrived at a crossroad in that journey. Jesus has brought them to the doorstep of Jerusalem. They know what Jerusalem symbolizes for them and for Jesus. It symbolizes many things, but they know specifically what it means for them. They know that Jerusalem is the epicenter of danger for Jesus. Thomas said, let us go up with him to Jerusalem that we may die with him. This is how aware of the danger he and the other disciples were. Peter tried to prevent him to go to Jerusalem and was rebuked sternly. They know that it's there that the religious leaders more than anywhere else want to kill him and have already been seeking in ways to trap him. And so the stakes are high for them to continue in the journey. We too know that we are on the brink of an intense period, Holy Week. There is no other week as intense in the Orthodox Christian life, I would say in the Christian world period, than Holy Week. Deacon said something in his homily yesterday morning, kind of in passing, and I don't know, for those of you who were here, if you caught it. He said, the only way for us to fully participate in Holy Week is to intentionally decide that we are going to change our life for this week. That we are going to center ourselves on the church. That we are going to, like the disciples, be invited in a very personal and intense way by Jesus to follow Him every step of the way as He heads to the cross. How important was it for Jesus that His disciples stand by His side? And I'm going to remind you, it wasn't for His sake that he thought it was important. It was for the sake of his disciples. Nothing that Jesus ever did, nothing he ever said, was for his sake. It was always and in every way for the sake of those who were there and those who would come after. The question still remains, why? Because if they were not following him and witnessing and experiencing what he was going through, they would never be able to say that we saw with our own, our own eyes, we beheld, we know the love of God, we know the power of God, we know what self-emptying and self-sacrifice and the power and the strength and the victory behind humility and meekness and self-sacrifice can bring about. 
We know what the world says, and it's hard not to buy in. But unless we were there with Jesus, we would never have been able to see and experience that when I want to save my life, I must lose it. When I want to win, I must sacrifice. When I want to be filled and full, I must empty. If they weren't there for Him to wash their feet, if they weren't there to see the agony and literally the perspiration to the point of drops of blood as He prayed to the Father with such intensity, Father, may they be one even as you and I and the Holy Spirit are one. May they be one so that the joy that we experience may be theirs. So the wholeness and the fullness that we experience, they may share in. So that they may know that while they were weak, while they were sinners, while they were unworthy, that's when I love them the most. That's when I willingly ascended the cross and held out my arms as if to embrace the whole world, the whole universe. That is when they know that everything, Father, that you have given me to do, I have accomplished. They heard me say, it is finished. But if they aren't there with me, if they weren't there with me, they wouldn't be able to experience it and see it with their own eyes. And they would not have an experience of the good news to go out and share with the world thereafter. The same prayer that he prayed in the garden was not just for the twelve, but it was for us. That we may be one, even as the Holy Trinity is one. That we may experience the joy and the fullness and the love that is experienced in perfection in the perfect community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's not just going to the services, my dear brothers and sisters, that the Lord wants from us. As important as those are, that's not just what those disciples did to manifest their oneness. They loved each other. Don't forget that wherever Jesus traveled, they traveled with Him. They cooked for each other. They cleaned for each other. They cared for each other when they were sick, when they were weak, when they were struggling. Who was there to support them? It wasn't just Jesus. Jesus always empowered His disciples. We forget that it's just not the events, but it's all the details in between the events that made the disciples, and not just the twelve, but up to five hundred, one. A larger crowd than we have here today. And so, as much as I and the Lord want you to be at the services and to center your life on the church, I don't want you to end with that. Holy Week is much more than that. It is the celebration of a journey of a family. It is the celebration of the journey of the body of Christ. We individually are members of one organic body. The head can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. We can't despise the eye. We can't disregard the foot. If one small muscle in the back gets tweaked, the whole body suffers. In order for us to travel with Christ and with each other as a, a family and the body of Christ, we need to love one another. 
We need to serve one another. We need to take care of each other. We need to take care of the guests who come from the outside. You will prove that you are my disciples to the world and within your own spiritual family if you have love one for the other. So my hope and prayer is that we indeed journey with Christ as He goes from His entry into Jerusalem. But that we don't stop there. We journey with each other. That we continue to love and serve each other. Today, in the luncheon, decorating the church, breaking down the chairs, redecorating the church, standing at the cross on Holy Thursday night during the vigil all night long, making sure that the children that are singing their praises are able to have a very fulfilling and rich experience on Holy Friday in their retreat, in decorating the tomb, in redecorating the church. Get, get how that happens over and over and over again? It takes many hands. In serving at the end of this journey a most beautiful celebration at the Pascha picnic. In self-emptying, in humility, in service, in support. Not letting any one person carry too much of the load. Because this is not imitating Christ or following Him to the cross. It is not life-giving. It's in these detailed ways that we truly manifest ourselves as the body of Christ. It is the fruit of our prayer, of our worship, of our participating in the grace-filled sacramental life. It is the fruit of being with Christ that we love one another and so prove to the world and to each other that we are indeed a spiritual family, individually members of the one body of Christ. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, with all my heart, I hope and pray and wish for each of us a very fruitful, a very blessed, a very joyful and life-changing Holy Week and Pascha. Not just at the services, but with each other, side by side, as spiritual soldiers in the unseen warfare and in our journey to the kingdom of heaven. Amen.